Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the the gods your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve whether the gods that your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Would you say that with me? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so glad you're here. We have uh, had a good week at the Gill House. Uh, We have painted. We've put up pictures. That's a big deal. Uh, You all are used to moving into houses that you purchase. And this has been a transition for us to change, but it's been a good one. And uh, we like it. And uh, our fairy godmother from, from Greenwood has been with us this week, Virginia. And uh, I have learned how to hang up pictures. So don't call me if you need any help. But uh, I have learned how. And, uh, I mean, I can get, and it's, it's worked well. So uh, thank you, Susan. We missed you this week. Thank you for being back and with your enthusiasm. Uh, your staff, um, I don't know when the last time you said thank you, but practice it. It's good for you because these folk are highly, highly committed. We will be adding a new part-time staff minister very soon. Uh, By August 1st, we'll introduce him to you very soon. And uh, we're pleased about this. He'll pick up a a part of the load of of Julian's departure that's been parceled in ways where Julie and and Deborah uh, have responded so graciously with so much energy. And um, I'm just telling you, if you haven't said thank you to them lately, uh, there's some demonstrative ways you can do that. But I promise you, they're wonderful folk to work with. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, I want to remind you uh, what Susan lifted up. And I may remind you again before the day's over with. I wanted a way to, a way to get to know you a little more personally in a, in a less formal setting or not at the church. And so one of the ways we're going to do that is begin... We may continue this throughout the year if it works for you, but around 20 people at a time in someone's home with very simple hors d'oeuvres or finger food uh, that would help us get to know one another. In the South, we like to eat. Amen? All right. Y'all are awake. Okay, good. Uh, And so just, I don't have any big agenda other than just kind of getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, And so that's There'll be times for the other things where we have agendas and meetings and planning and all that sort of stuff, but this won't be those kind of things. It's just informal time. And even if you're more introverted, uh, it'll be okay. I I do one-on-one pretty good. So I hope you'll come and be part of that. Would you pray with me? Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our strength and our redeemer. I invite you to to, uh, John's gospel, the 13th chapter. It's an addendum to the Old Testament scripture that was read just a moment ago. Beginning in verse 34, a new command I give you, 
love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you a message about being created by God in love and for love and that there was nothing we had to do to earn God's favor and that love makes us real. And once we are real, we're we're never ugly to anyone ever again except to people who don't understand. That's a quote from the Velveteen Rabbit. Today, the sermon has to do with our response to God's love in Jesus Christ. And the question for us to consider, not the song that you may be having running through your brain throughout this sermon like my staff has all week long, but the question for us to consider is, what's love got to do with it? Now, I want to begin with the text that was read a few minutes ago from the Old Testament. It is the story and the witness of Joshua. Y'all remember Joshua? He, he led the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses got him close, but he never got to go in and settle the land. And so Joshua, throughout his life in witness and service to God, led the people of Israel into this land God had promised for them through many ups and downs and conflicts. They had lots of neighbors on their borders. Those neighbors didn't worship the same God. And there were all sorts of influences that took place over the course and history of Joshua's relationship with Israel. But the end of his life is the text which was read a few minutes ago. Joshua is reflecting on his life. I would imagine that when you hit those zero birthdays that some of us have had, Ken Pace told me he has one in in September. So does Curry, my Curry, She has one of those zero birthdays, 30. It's not nice to lie in church, is it? Okay, I better not say. It's more than 30, but Joshua is reflecting. And he's looking back on how God had been revealed in his life. And he says to these folks, God wants us to continue to serve him. Don't be influenced by those Hittites and Perizzites and those other ites that live around us. No matter what you do. As for me and my house, for me and my family, for those in my life of influence, we will serve the true God we've come to know. Now, also in this text is attention. You see, historically, if you read Scripture, the ancients believed God lived on a mountain and that that oracles and words of direction came from above to a particular person. I told you Moses just a few minutes ago, Gideon. Read some of those patriarchal stories in the Old Testament. And it's the way in which Scripture is written that, that the ancient writers of Scripture believed that God would speak to an individual, then the individual would speak to the nation of Israel or to the family or to the house. So direction came from above. Now, in this text, the people are not deciding on which form of government they will exercise, but what rather which master and Lord, which God, who will be most important in their lives. You and I don't have to worry about that in our world today. We live under religious tolerance and freedom. And for us, That is a choice. Whether we want to be or how much we want to be, 
in our relationship to God and how we live that out in public life. For the ancient Israelites, the law and the God were one. The government and the law were all one. They were a theocracy. Not so for us. We have separation of church and state. We are Mississippians. We are Americans. But that does not relate and equate that we are Christian. The two are not one and the same. In this way, in the Old Testament, the way in which people responded to the question, what's love got to do with it, was through obedience. Obedience to the law, keeping the rules, and you will live. If, then. Now, in our world today, that practice still reveals itself. Faith in God depends on how we keep, well, we keep morality how moral our lives are, and attention is paid often to a list of do's and don'ts. I define myself by what I don't do as a Christian or what I do. Strict attention is paid to that. Obey. But oftentimes, this mindset, this practice, this extreme, if you take it to the extreme, leads to legalism, and perhaps even often to self-righteousness, which what is what happened to Israel in the rest of her history all the way down. You ever heard about the Pharisees? They took this practice all the way, and it made, made them legalistic and self-righteous. Now, that's the Old Testament. What's love got to do with it? Obey the law. Say that with me. Obey the law. Mama used to tell that to me, didn't she? You, you better obey or else. She's mellowed a lot over the years, though. Now, let's contrast this with the New Testament. John's gospel, I just read a few minutes ago, is a scene where Jesus is at Passover in the upper room. The disciples are there. He has been sharing with them his hopes and dreams. And in this chapter, verses 34 and 35, he says, I give you a new command. It wasn't, it was, if you truly want to know what love is, express it in relationships to each other. Express it in relationships to other people. And he took it even one step further. If you read on in that story, He takes a towel, he takes a bowl of water, and he kneels down at their feet. And he performs a task that a servant should have done had there been a servant in the upper room that night. But remember, it's Passover. The disciples gather. I ain't going to do that. Have you smelled Mark's feet? You know? The disciples weren't going to kneel down. And Jesus said, hey, guys, we talk about this love stuff. Let me show you what I mean. Love is an action of self-sacrifice, not measured in keeping the rules, but responding to God's world in humility, compassion, 
and justice. Jesus is trying to say to them, if you serve God, your neighbors will notice. And if you serve your neighbor, God will notice. See that corollary there? If I serve God, my neighbors will notice because there is a corollary response. But love costs us something. Our American poet who just recently passed away, Maya Angelou, had a quote. And she said, it's the greatest thing you will ever do. Love has a price. It costs something. It costs Jesus being so faithful. There's that quote. Read that with me. Love costs all we are and will ever be. Yet, so. See? It costs us all we are and all we'll be. It's the only thing that sets us free. That'll come back in a different way at the very end of the sermon. So remember that. It cost Jesus. He revealed God's love in such a way that those self-righteous Pharisees couldn't stand it. And yet he was obedient to his mission, the kingdom of God, showing people how God is revealed in self-sacrificing love. Now, you can't wear a bracelet to say that. Y'all remember back in the, what was it, in the, in the 90s, WWJD and, and all the bracelets and all the books and all that stuff. I'm not putting that stuff down. It's not a criticism. But just because you wear it doesn't mean you live it. Love has to show up and then it has to show out. And one of the things that I've remembered in my life as a pastor one of the most intimate things in the world is in the wedding ceremony when I ask for the rings. And then I ask the bride and the groom to say to each other, I give you this ring as a sign of all that I am and all that I have. I honor you. I honor you. Love shows up. And then it shows out. And that couple spends the rest of their lives proving just what they said with words. They live it out in their hearts to each other. And as a couple, they express that as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ in the world, in their daily living. It shows up in real people too, just like you and just like me. His name is... Leroy Sojourner. He was about 70 years old when I met him. He was the custodian at our church. He used to scare the bejesus out of me on Monday mornings. I'd be in this little cinder block office and he'd come in cleaning up and rattling and singing, Mom, I don't like that. He was about five foot nothing and he weighed a hundred and nothing. And all the children on Sunday morning knew that if they got around him and they smiled nice, Mr. Leroy would reach in his pocket and get out some hard candy and he'd give it to them before the worship service. But there were some other people in the community that knew about Mr. Leroy. They called him the traveling man. 
He had one of those 1972 Datsuns. Any of y'all remember Datsuns? Clint bought me one. It was orange. I named him Fred. It's the truth. Mr. Leroy was the person in the community that if you needed to go somewhere and you didn't have transportation, Mr. Leroy would put you in his Datsun car and he would take you. If it was Portland, Oregon, he would take you. If it was Midland, Texas, he would take you. If it was Detroit, Michigan, he would take you. And he went to Atlanta on a weekly basis. I never knew there were that many people in Summit that needed to go places. But Mr. Leroy did it, and 90% of the time, he paid for the gas. See, sometimes love shows up, and then it really shows out. He was a simple man. Yeah, maybe he got taken advantage of, but he loved helping people. And do you know what? When he traded that Datsun car in, It had 342,000 miles on it. When I was a teenager growing up in the 70s, that was a long time ago. In my youth group, and maybe in your youth group, if you were a young person or maybe in the church at that time, and since, we used to sing a song. And the verse of that song would go something like this. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We'll work with each other side by side. And, to, and we'll guard each one's dignity and save each one's pride. And then there was another verse that went, we'll walk with each other. We'll walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And every verse ended with the phrase, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. We maybe ought to sing that song and teach that to our young people today. Graham and Kaysa need to learn that song. That's a good song, Rachel. You'd probably like it. What has love got to do with it? Our response and our answer is in the way in which we respond in our lives. Some of us have had difficulties in our lives, and we, we've not known the love of God, perhaps, Deeply, Some of us may be new to faith and new to this church and new to being loved and appreciated and not judged or reviewed or held in such accountability all the time. I need to tell you today, church, folk who've walked in this door today, God has given us all the capacity in some way to respond to let the world know we are Christian by the way in which we live our lives. Does that mean I don't get angry at my wife or my brother or my teacher or my coworker or my boss? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means you don't stay mad at them. It means that sometime in the next 30 minutes or 45 minutes or hour or the next day after you sleep on it, you find a way to forgive or just to let it go. Those are hard. They happen at our house more frequently than you need to know. It's true. Some people at my house have real short fuses. I'm not naming any names, but she ain't here. 
Yeah, I know. Do you you hear where I'm coming from, folks? Love doesn't mean sweet, ooey, gooey, all that sort of stuff. Love is a choice. Love is an attitude and it is an action of self-forgiveness and self-sacrificing. It's putting someone else ahead of you or it's moving towards a situation with compassion rather than anxiety or fear. Or none of us would be here very long. Because innate in us is this not thing that's not right. And it needs to be revealed. It needs to be dealt with. We Methodists can turn to someone and point to a portion of history where love took hold of a young boy, a young preacher named Wesley. He and his brother. That's, that's a picture of a long time ago, boys and girls, where men had long hair and And it was funny looking. But this man, John Wesley, his life was changed. It was transformed. He tried to prove like the Old Testament to do, 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 keep the rules, keep the law. He was Anglican. He lived in a day where the the religion of the day had become very dry and boring. But he wanted to please God. And he found out one night on a street called Aldersgate in a chapel while somebody was just reading the introduction to Paul's letter to the Romans. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I knew my life was different. My sins were forgiven. I had an assurance of God in my life. And he went and he told his brother. And it began a renewal in a country where God had gone to the back seat and headed out the back of the trunk of the car. And John Wesley had this statement for us Methodist people. Y'all seen this before? Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can forever as long as you can. That's what love's got to do with it. It's responding to God. Even if your life is not perfect, even if you didn't get everything you want or thought you deserved, God created us to respond in love. And so there's a phrase I learned a long time ago. I've never forgotten it. And if you don't remember anything else today, this is not on the screen. So you're going to have to remember this and listen or write it down if you want to. The love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. The love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love until you give it away. How will love show up and show out in your life this week? I pray that God gives you hands and eyes and feet and heart to let his love flow in your life this week. Because love's got everything to do with it. Let us pray.
Jesus, we come to you today knowing that we don't always love ourselves enough. That we, we see the, the negative or we see the stuff that's not right. We see the flaws. We feel the pain of our past, the deficiencies. We hear it in voices way down deep in our hearts because there were messages sent to us a long time ago, maybe by our family or somebody. So we have a hard time first even loving ourselves. Would you help us do that first? To believe that you created us with a purpose and in freedom and in love. So that this week, so that this week your love can show up in us and then it can live out, it can show out in the world in which we engage, whether that be at home or in the nursing home or going to see mom or, or daddy in the nursing home, whether we find ourselves on the golf course and somebody gives us an opportunity, even amongst guys, to show God's grace or in the midst of some sort of family struggle or financial situation or some emergency this week, we find ourselves, God, would your love be revealed in us so that people can see your glory and believe. Well, God, if there are those here this morning who are wrestling with stuff like this, who don't feel God's love, who don't even see it sometimes, especially within this community of faith, that I pray that our hearts will be softened, our eyes will be opened to people around us, and not that we just see bodies passing, but that we see your children your children, our family and community. Bless us, we pray, and lead us in the name of Christ. Amen.